What a blessing it's been to be in the service this morning and uh, in the meeting this week. I feel like uh, many who have stood and said, as Brother Yoakley said, I look out over this congregation out of all the men of God that are here, I'm humbled to be standing here before you today. And I appreciate all the labor and the work that's went into this meeting and I thank the Lord for it. Uh, It's kind of hard to know what more to say after a service like we've already had this morning. Uh, But last night the Lord began to work this verse and thought in my heart and if you'll pray for me this morning I'll try my best to give you what the Lord has put on our heart. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I just want to read one verse and just a few words of a second verse and try our best to be a help and a blessing to you if the Lord will use us this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Verse 14, but continue thou. You may be seated. I'd like to preach this morning if God would help me for just a few minutes. And I don't think that I'll do any discredit to the Scriptures. Paul here is charging his young son in the faith about times that will come in the days ahead. And he makes the statement that in the last days, perilous times shall come. I believe with all that's in me that we're in the last days. And so I'd like to preach this morning on perilous times have come. We are in those times today. The word perilous means hard to bear. It means to drain the strength from. It means to be difficult to cope with. And we are in those days today that are hard to bear on the people of God. That the people of God are finding these days difficult to cope with. That they are days that as we look across and I pastor a little church in Mars Hill, North Carolina. There's just about 25 or 30 of us. But as I look across the congregation, Sunday in and Sunday out, it seems like that the strength is being drained from the hearts of the people of God in these days. And many of the people of God 
are using the last days and the fact that we're there for many reasons. And the Lord began to speak to my heart and I want to go through the first two kind of quick, but I feel like they're very needful to mention and then dwell on the last one for a few minutes. But I believe that the last days, these perilous times that we're in, these perilous times that have come, many people of God are using them for an excuse. They're using them for an excuse to quit. There have been a lot of people over the last year that have walked away from the church and may never return. And many times their reasoning, their excuse is the perilous times that are upon us. Many have used it for an excuse to quarrel. And I'm telling you in these days there's no room for fight among the people of God. We're on the same side. Serving under the same captain. Fighting against the same enemy. And Paul told Timothy that a good soldier will please the one that's chosen him to be a soldier. That's how duty. That's our calling. That's our commission is to please the captain. The captain's not the preacher. The captain's not the church. The captain's not the brethren. The captain's not religion. But the captain is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is our duty if we want to be a good soldier, we are to please Him well. Many have used it for an excuse to quench the Spirit. That's right. The Spirit of God moves or wants them, works in their heart, directs them, leads them to go here to do this, to say that. And many times the excuse is, well, what good will it do? We're in the last days. I'm going to say many have used it not just for an excuse. You just bear with me. I'll get to the good part in just a minute. But many people have not just used it for an excuse. Many people have used it like there's been some kind of uh, execution warrant signed for the church. Like that it's all over for us. But like that it just has to be this way. But like that there's no use. But there's nothing that's going to be done. I'm to understand that there are some things that Paul tells Timothy that is going to be. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. There's nothing we can do to change it. But it's not that the church is over. The church is not backed into some corner somewhere trying its best to survive the church is still marching forward in the last days the church has been there's a lot of debate and it really doesn't matter when the church was started but I remember in my heart that scripture that day on the shores of Caesarea Philippi when Jesus said who do men say that I the son of man am they said some say you're Elias some Jeremiah 
Jeremiah, Sir John, or one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Jesus said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed art thou Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, upon this rock, not on Peter, but on the rock of the fact that he was the Christ, the Son of God. He said, I'll build my church and even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Somewhere we got off on the train of thought that the church is on defense. That we're trying to defend the gospel. That we're trying to defend our beliefs. That we're trying to defend the cause of Christ. The church has never been on defense. We have always been on the offensive, marching forward, even through the very gates of hell that cannot prevail against the church. Some will use the last days for an excuse. Some will use the last days for an execution warrant for the church. But I want to take, I don't know how much time we have left on this earth. The Lord could come today and deep down on the inside of my soul, I feel like John even so come, Lord Jesus. But I'm telling you, with what time we have left, be it a day, be it a month, be it a year, 20 years, I don't want to use the last days for an excuse. I don't want to use the last days like an execution of the church. But I want to use the last days to try my best by the help of God to exhort and encourage the people of God in these days. I'm going to tell you what's went on around the house of God this morning is exhortation. The word exhortation means to refresh. It means to strengthen. It means to stir the soul. And I'm telling you, I'm not talking about entertainment. There's a vast difference between exhortation and entertainment. Though the word exhortation does mean to cheer on, it is not entertainment. Entertainment takes place in the mind. But exhortation takes place in the spirit of a man and I'm telling you every now and again when we gather in the house of God I need to be cheered on how about you the Bible has much to say I'll give you these few things and then I'll be done the Bible has much to say about exhortation and the Lord put a few things on my heart and I'll give them to you just real quickly exhortation is a must It's not a suggestion. It is commanded in the Word of God. Matter of fact, I read in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses, the man of God, is going off the scene, and Joshua, the young man of God, is coming on the scene, that the command comes twice from the Lord to Moses. And he says, you need to encourage Joshua in the way. I'm telling you, in these days, you and I, as the people of God, we must encourage our people in these days. 
church. I'm not up here this morning uh, preaching that to exhort is to mean that you prim and pamper and paddle on them all the time. Uh, But what I mean is this. uh, People have the wrong mindset about exhortation. Uh, Can I tell you what will exhort the people of this book right here? Uh, Just preach the Word of God. It will exhort the people. Uh, Do you understand uh, that even last night uh, while Brother Voles was preaching about sin and about right living and something on the inside of me was being exhorted being cheered on to do my best to live right I belong to him and because of that there's a desire in me to be more like him but every once in a while we get a little weak you know and I don't mean that disrespectfully and I don't mean that hatefully or arrogantly but we're living in the flesh and the flesh is weak and sometimes we as the people of God need a little bit of cheering on and exhortation in these days that's a blessing about being able to come to a meeting like this and I thank the church this morning for having the meeting brother Ronnie thank you for being willing to have the meeting in spite of everything that's went on because in my heart I needed some exhortation I needed some cheering on I needed some refreshment I needed some strengthening and I found it in these days it's a must See, the Scripture said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not so much more the assembling, though it's hard to exhort one another if we don't assemble together, but so much the more of exhortation as these last days are upon us. The writer said to exhort one another daily while it is called today. In other words, you take both those verses and it really doesn't matter. There's a lot of debate about what that day is in Hebrews chapter 10. Whether it's the day of the coming of the Lord or the day of one's death, it really don't matter which one. What it really means is this. While you have the opportunity, while there's still time, let's exhort one another. uh, I don't feel qualified to preach to no preachers this morning but it's on my heart for just a minute here Uh, but Paul charges Timothy in the next chapter and we like to preach the charge to reprove and rebuke Uh, but do you know it's in the charge uh, not just to reprove and rebuke uh, but to exhort uh, with all home suffering and doctrine It's a must. We've got to have it in these days. But then I want to say exhortation is not just a must. But I read in my Bible where exhortation is a medicine. Hebrews chapter 3 
and verse 13 said exhorting one another daily while it's called today lest there be in you lest your heart be hardened toward God you say what are you saying I'm saying that exhortation that word lest means to get exhortation to give exhortation to prevent something from happening it is a preventative medicine True exhortation will prevent against doubt. True exhortation will prevent against discouragement. True exhortation will prevent against despair. That word despair means to feel like or to sense that there is no hope or no good that can be expected to come. And all the people of God at some point in your life, probably over the last year, you have felt despair creep up on the inside of your heart. You say, oh no, preacher. It won't ever happen to me. It's never happened to me. Why we should pray for the rest of us? Because it's happened to the rest of us. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in Acts 27, the man of God that walked the earth and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said the storm he was in was so bad that all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Amen. Despair. Discouragement, doubt, drifting, it'll prevent against that. Dabbling in sin, it'll prevent against that. To be exhorted like the brother preached last night, to live right, we'll exhort, we'll strengthen, we'll prevent the child of God from doing things we know we're not supposed to do. But I was reading last night and the Lord was working in my heart and uh, me and brother Yoke are staying together we're, we're friends and I, I thought I got a lot of other friends that are here this morning and I'm not trying to do any discredit to them but I thank God for my friend and I looked over at him last night and I said brother Yoke you think uh, that based on the definition of the word exhort that it means to strengthen uh, to cheer on to support uh, don't you reckon that Aaron and her were exhorters to Moses that day on the mountainside and God got to working in my heart uh, for you see uh, Moses was on the mountain he commanded Joshua up there in the valley of Rephidim as they fought with Amalek and by the way Amalek's a descendant of Esau and so therefore a type of the flesh uh, which is the constant battle uh, that you and I are facing in this life and there are days we get weary Uh, Moses said you fight I'm going up on the mountain with the rod of God in my hand and the Bible said as long as he held his hands up uh, that Joshua and the children of Israel prevailed uh, which is a type of the inward man Uh, but he said when his hands come down uh, that Amalek a type of the flesh uh, prevailed against them Uh, but Moses' hands were heavy I wonder how many of you this morning come into the house of God and your hands are heavy. And as Moses' hands started coming down, and I'm just kind of reading in between the lines, preacher, but I feel like just the farther down his hands come, the more the Amalek prevailed. And I think old Moses, seeing what was happening, was doing everything 
in him uh, to keep his hands up. Uh, but I don't know about you, you ever tried to hold your hands up above your head, friend? It ain't the time uh, uh, later, uh, sooner than later, uh, they're going to get heavy uh, and there's something in you uh, that's going to want to let them come down. I'm not here this morning preaching that you're out in wickedness living in sin. But there's a constant warfare that's going on between our inner man, the spirit man, and the flesh. And sometimes our hands get weary. And the farther down our hands come, the more the flesh prevails. But aren't you glad for a man named Aaron and a man named Her that set Moses on a rock and one man held up one hand and the other held up the other until the going down to the sun and the Bible said that Joshua discomfited Amalek what a blessing I want to say this morning I'm just trying to follow the Lord but I'm going to say this morning here at Mineral Park Baptist Church you have a man of God that I believe does his best to preach to you the Word of God in the unction, power, and demonstration of the Spirit of God. But he cannot wage your wars by himself. And so there ought to be some men and some women in the house of God. I, I, I don't know where the idea come about, but preachers are not superman. We're not superhuman. We get discouraged just like everybody else. We feel like giving up just like everybody else. We we feel like throwing in the towel just like everybody else. Our hands get heavy like everybody else. And we need some exhortation in this day. That's why it's good to have meetings like this. I've met a lot of preachers this week I never knew. I've heard some of your name. Some of you I've never heard your name. But many of you I've never met. But I'm glad there's a few of us still in these days. And we're trying our best to hold each other's hands up. We're all on the same side. It ain't a competition. We need exhorting in this day. You understand that it doesn't do anybody any good. No church is made better by another church being snuffed out. No preacher's made any better by some other preacher quitting the ministry. We're all in this together. We all got different styles. All have different deliveries. All are different men, but that don't matter. It ain't to man. It ain't to method. It's the message and the minister of the Holy Ghost preaching through us to each other. I have heroes in the faith. Many of them are here today. Brother Jones, I consider you a hero in the faith. And I mean that with all my heart. And I like to hear him preach. And there's one thing I can say about Brother Jones. There's many things I can say, but one thing I will say is that every time I've ever heard him preach, it always wants to make, makes me want to live a little more holy and a little closer to God. And I thank God for that. But as much as I love that man of God, God didn't call me to be like him. I can't preach like him. I just preach like me. And you just preach like you. But we need each other in these days. This medicine. It's not for you to... And I'm not going to get political right here. But you know they talk about this. And it don't matter what you think about it. I'm not 
preaching about it. But they talk about these vaccines, you know, and they're hoarding some and keeping some put up and not letting some have them. And, but they say, but whether or not it works is irrelevant. I'm just trying to make an application. They say that it's a preventative measure against this virus. And it don't make any sense to me if it really will prevent it, why they won't give it to everybody that needs it. I, I'm not saying you ought to go get it. That's, uh, you understand? I'm just saying, making an application. If it really does work, uh, then why withhold what works? Here we have come into the house of God together. Whether you're a preacher or whether you're not. Whether you're a man, whether you're a lady, whether you're a boy, or whether you're a girl, if you're saved by the grace of God, and God puts something in your heart to say, to bring a word of exhortation, to give something from your heart from God, don't keep it on the shelf, don't hoard it in the cabinet, we need it if it comes from God. It's a must, it's a medicine. I want to say that exhortation, if I read my Bible right and have understood this right, I believe that exhortation is a ministry. I believe, and you don't have to back up and get scared here, I believe that there are some people in the church that God has given them the gift of exhortation. And while I'm preaching right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, back in Mars Hill, North Carolina, there's a little white storefront building sitting on the right hand of the highway that not too many people know about. But I'm glad God knows where we are. And in my mind right now, there's a lady that sits on this side of the church and a man that sits on this side of the church. And if they ever have a word, you can mark it down. They're going to give it. And it always has the word of exhortation and I believe that God has given them that gift to exhort the people I have never I understand we're all flesh as preachers we miss it sometimes whether we want to admit it or not but in the two years that I've pastored that church I've never heard that woman or that man open their mouths that it is not exhorted my soul and the souls of the people of God Amen. and there's some of you sprinkled across this building that the Lord has given you that gift I believe if I read my Bible right that the Apostle Paul had the gift of exhortation. I believe he did. You say you have Bible for that? I think so. Over there in the book of Acts, they drug him outside the city, stoned him, and left him for dead. The multitude gathered around him, expecting him just to lay there and never get up. And the Bible said he got up, walked into the city, and he exhorted them. What a thought. Here's a man been stoned and left for dead and when they should be exhorting him, he is exhorting them. You say, why is that? It was in him. God put it in him. And if you're here this morning and you have a word from God, you ought to say on, it's in you. Exhortation's not just a ministry. See, if I leave it right there and the Holy Ghost said not to, so I'm not going to. If I leave it right there, that'll exclude some and include some. But I want to say that according to the Word of God, exhortation will be manifested in the life of every believer at some point along the way. In the book of Acts chapter 13... 
Paul, we're given some insight into who is with him. We don't know about some others. But Brother Mullins, it said that him and his company entered into the, into the synagogue. And they got done with their reading, got done with their ritual, and they look back in the back, and there's the Apostle Paul and all his company, whoever they are, however many of them they are. Now we already know that the Apostle Paul has the gift of exhortation. He's going to be the one to stand. But the invitation is that men, if any of you have a word of exhortation for the people, say on. Paul was the one to stand. He was the one to give the exhortation. But the door was opened to any one of them that had a word from God. I mentioned a minute ago them too. And just about every time that the Lord uh, impresses my heart that something needs to be done before the preaching, I'll just... I don't know how y'all men pastor and how you do it. I'm terrible at opening up. I don't like to do that. I never know what to say. And so a lot of times I'll just come to the pulpit and open my Bible to what I feel like the Lord wants me to preach. And I'll say something like this. Before I read the Scripture, does anybody have a word from the Lord? And almost always one of them two or both them two will open their mouth and say, and it's always from the Lord. But I walked into my pulpit on Sunday night. And some of you other pastors know what I mean when I say I had peace in my heart that I didn't have nothing from God to preach. There's a peace. It didn't mean I was lazy. It didn't mean I hadn't studied. I had, but there wasn't nothing there. And I'm not going to force it. And so I said, does anybody have a word from the Lord? And that woman stood and testified. And that man stood and testified. And I thought, well, maybe that's it, Lord. I said, how about anybody else? I'm preaching it'll be manifested in the life of every believer at some point. Brother Craig over here on about the third row back from the front is a black-haired boy that God gloriously saved last year in our church while Brother Yokely was there preaching a meeting. And I'm talking about gloriously saved. It was an experience, I hope, and pray, Brother Ronnie, the Lord lets me have again. I never had had one. Been preaching 12 years, pastoring probably uh, 10, 9 or 10 of those 12. Never had an experience like this before. I'd go to bed at night and have His face on my mind and wake up in the night and all I could see was Jacob's face. And all I could see was he had already admitted to the church openly that he was lost. He had come to the altar, tried to pray, couldn't get through, and the church was praying. But all I could see was his face. I'd go to try to do something, all I could see was his face. But we walked in on that night, and the altar call was given. We sung the song, and we had been singing it all week long. Oh, why not tonight? He plowed up in the altar on this side of the church, in the corner of the piano, got his head rung in there, gave everything to God. God saved him. And that was back last August I hadn't heard nothing from him yet now don't get scared I ain't pressured him he's bashful he's backwards but I hadn't heard nothing from him yet 
I watched him a few times in service and he looked like the pressure cooker, you know, when the release valve's about to blow, but he never did. And here we were on a Sunday night. I didn't have nothing to preach. I didn't know what was going to go on. I just knew I had peace. Sister Connie's testified. Brother Kim's testified. And then old Jacob said, I got something I want to say. And I don't know if this is correct terminology or if you'll understand this, but this preacher's heart went, Kerhomp. And this is what he said. He didn't have no fancy word, Brother Bowles, but he sure did have a word of exhortation. He said, I hear everybody saying 2020 is the worst year they've ever had. But he said, I want to say it's the best one I've ever had because God saved me. And something in my heart I went to leaping and running laps. You say, what happened? I got exhorted. And I needed it. The week after Brother Yokely left, we had a young lady. Her parents don't come to church or weren't coming to church at the time. Her grandfather had been coming and she had been coming. And I'd been preaching to sinners and I'd watched her. And she had been under conviction. And you know, sometimes you just know. And on that Wednesday night, I preached. And I remember preaching on living in no man's land. And she stood up and come out of the pew and hit the altar. She went and she prayed her way through to God. And it had been almost as long as Brother Jacob. And I hadn't heard nothing from her either. But about a week ago, and this is how the Lord works. He works unexpectedly. I just, you know, I kind of had it on my heart, but didn't really have no real push. You know, I just kind of said it. And I don't know, you can pass judgment on me if you want to, but we're all probably the same. Sometimes we just say things out of habit, routine, and tradition. And kind of out of habit, routine, and tradition, I said, does anybody have a word from the Lord before I preach this morning? And back yonder on the pew, almost to the back on this side, I heard a little timid voice say, I want to thank the Lord for saving me and answering prayer. And my heart flipped again. I didn't know what prayer she was talking about. But I know that her grandpa's been bringing her and her mama's been coming every now and again, but her daddy won't come. And another lady's been coming to the church and her husband won't come either. But little did I know that they knew each other. And everybody been working on them and working on them, trying to get them to come to church. And so they talked it out with one another and they said, if you'll come, I'll come. And on that Wednesday night, she said, I want to thank the Lord for answering prayer. I didn't know what she was thanking the Lord for answering. But on Sunday morning, her daddy walked into the church. I don't know if that's what she's praying about, but I got a pretty good idea that's what it was. And he ain't had a move yet, but I know he went out the building the other day and one of the two men told his father-in-law that comes to my church, he said, I really like your preacher, but he preached right to me this morning. And so I got good hopes for him. They're not trying to sweep it under the rug. They're not trying to cover it over. They're openly admitting that they are lost and need the Lord. And I'm praying for them. I wish you'd help me pray. We need one another in these days. I don't know if you've got anything from it this morning. I just tried to give you my heart. 
But if you don't hear anything else from me, when we part ways today, Lord willing, I'm going to, after lunch, I'm going to have to get in my car and go back to North Carolina. And I may never see you again. But I've met some of you, and I'm going to tell you something. If you say, I don't, I don't want to kill it right here, but we kind of get routine and formal and in fashion, and sometimes we say, I'm praying for you, and we never do. Just something we say to sound good. But there's some of you this week that have said, Brother, I'm praying for you. And I, I, I believed it. And it's exhorted my heart. I met some preachers this week I never knew before, but I'm glad to have met you. And I'm going to say this. If we never meet again, we still need each other. We may assemble in our own respective places and never assemble together in physical form again. But we can still exhort one another. And we need it. It's a must. It's a medicine. It's a ministry. But if you're here this morning, you don't have to be a preacher. It can be manifested and the Lord wants to. Manifested in your heart and in your life. There may be somebody in... I, I will tell you this. If the Lord's put a word in your heart, that means there's somebody in the building that needs the word He's put in your heart. God doesn't put it there just to fill up time and space. Somebody needs it. And if it's in there from the Lord, you ought to say on. You ought to say on. Brother Ronnie, you come. I'm done.